right, everybody. I am so excited for y'all today because y'all will get to hear a great interview we're going to have with <laughs> y'all already know this person. Y'all know the power of this person, especially on these Twitter streets. Um, Cartesia Kent is here today. We're going to talk about um, her brand new book that is coming out. It's coming out in March. You can pre-order it. We'll talk. We'll have that information a little bit later. But it is called Fat Off, Fat On, A Big Bitch Manifesto. And I love the title of that book because it, it already is telling you it's, it's about to get into some stuff. Especially when we know it's a, it's not just a memoir, it's a manifesto. So you're going to be learning some stuff in this. But if y'all just happen to not know who Cartesia 10 is, let me just remind you. If you've been on these Twitter streets, you have seen her just lit it up every time. Great topics. We have talked about so many different things from talking, you know, from homophobia, from body dysmorphia, talking about colorism, um, also giving us this great litmus test, the kit test, for us to kind of pay attention to how women, Black women in general, but women of color are being represented in media to this day. Um, if y'all remember the, the big moment we had with Groupon Peen, uh, <laughs> that kind of took off. I think Groupon even contacted you, right? Yeah, we're still cool. I'm. We message each other from time to time. Like, how are you? Like the staff, the um, the social media staff there is really nice, really good. So, cool. And then you know you have written for so many outlets, BT, MTV, um, Entertainment Weekly, the paper. You've done a lot of great articles that have really hit home about so many issues I think a lot of us need to think about and some of us may not want to think about, but have to think about. So I am so happy you are on the show. Welcome to Megasheen. We're so glad to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you all. Um, I enjoy y'all's work so much. So um, I love talking to my peers um, in this circle because we always have really good conversations too. Yes, yes. So. So my first question is just simple. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> I am hanging in there. I feel like we all are at that point. You know, it's fall officially now. So we've survived the summer that tried to, you know, cook us all like eggs on the sidewalk. So now everything's winding down and you're trying to move into like, you know, we're spooky season almost basically. So um, I'm in kind of in that space as well where I'm trying to like kind of switch gears for the year um and still do some work but um try to put in as much rest as I can um because something about fall gives me very sleepy energy too <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at with it yeah I it's weird because in Los Angeles <laughs> today it's like 80 something degrees I really want a fall, you know, I want to put on, it's funny to put on the, you know, the fall cologne and it's, uh, and at the same time, you're just like, it's still burning up. So <laughs> I, I kind of miss being in places where there were full real seasons where you can really feel it, but it is fall season. And I feel like this month is already gone. It, it makes literally no sense. I'm like, how did September come? And next week is, we're about to start October, which is really weird. Uh, so this book, <laughs> this book, um, Fat Off, Fat On, um, Big 
bitch manifesto. I I can just say that all day. I love to say that. Um, tell me about what led you to getting a book together because I want to say I remember you know seeing all the tweets and things you talked about maybe writing a book and what have you. What finally got you to a place to where it's like it's time to put things into a book? Um, so first of all, you all have my wonderful agent, Claire Draper, for the Bent HC. Whoop whoop to thank. Um, first of all, they actually slipped into my DMs like three, four years ago. It was really it was off the chain. Cause like I tell um my friends and my colleagues all the time that I have wanted to be an author forever. Um, like I talk about in the book, I was like single digits when I was like, I want to be author. And I I say a lot that like some of us get here to earth and we just already know. We already know what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're not born with a support system that also recognizes that. So sometimes we do get derailed. And I feel for those people because I had I was that and I had to like fight my way here. Um, but yeah, I just knew, and then, uh, life kind of took a slight turn, um, cause it was a rough path to get here. Cause I was like money, you know, money, people, people, money, class, all that racism, um, took me a second. Um, and like you mentioned, I did a lot of online work. Um, and with what I was writing, um, uh, my agent Claire, um, is actually their partner that kind of linked up with me first and we were super cool. And I think, you know, um, her name's Claudia. Hey, Claudia. Uh, I think she like slipped some in Claire's ear. And then Claire was in my DMs. And I was like, who is this? And, you know, they were just like, listen, I feel like you should write a book. And I'm like, oh, shit. So, you know, they signed me. And um, I'm not going to lie, I actually wanted to do my Western first. So there's a Western I've been working on for a couple years mm -hmm. since I was in college. Um, and I really wanted to do a Western about black people, but like the legacy of what happened from like slavery to mm -hmm. reconstruction to mm -hmm. then like that period of the wild, wild west. Right. Um, but my agent was like, we're going to do that, but I feel like you should do a memoir first. And you know me, I'm like, memoir, like... I don't want to be telling y'all too much about, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be telling y'all too much about myself. But, like, I thought about it, and I was like, no, they're right, because there is, like, in my short, well, we I'm about to be 30, right? But my short two-ish, two-plus decades of life, I have experienced a lot. Like, even the last two years, mm -hmm. it's been, like, like, I actually can't wait for some of these interviews because I'm going to tell people, like, hey, like, I was in a fire. I was homeless. Like, it was just it was just a lot going on in just the last two years. Yeah. So they were like, yeah, you should do that first. Basically get your feet wet. And then we can, like, circle back to the Western. So that's essentially what happened. I was like, I took their suggestion to heart. And I was like, let's do it. Um, And then, I, you know, I wrote it during, like, that period I mentioned with the pandemic. Um, I actually got the contract... <laughs> for it like a couple of days after the fire so I was like this is hilarious but also annoying <laughs> but also hilarious yeah. but for me it was like okay like this is still what you should be doing even with everything going on um so I ended up writing it and like I mentioned with the lockdown happening there's some memories that popped into even after signing uh, the contract 
Um, and then um, Claire actually is responsible for that, that second half of the title. Because um, the original one was a little long. I think it was like on the trials and tribulations, the da da da. Like I came up with that half, and I was like, it's a little long. And then my <laughs> publisher agreed. Um, and then Claire was like, I got it. So they were like, a manifesto. Like it is a manifesto, right? And I'm like, so then they added a big bitch manifesto. So that is who we can thank for that saucy, <laughs> saucy second half. So yeah, that's yeah. how we got here. Now, for a lot of readers, I'm sure, you know, and a lot of listeners, they are probably asking, so what's the difference between a manifesto and a memoir? So how would you explain it to someone who's like, what's the difference? Because isn't it the same thing? Mm-hmm. Well, how would you explain that to anyone who is like looking at the book and thinking, what does that mean? Excellent question. So um, there are technically different things. I just decided to combine them because, you know, this is my story, right? So memoir, like for me, basic thing is a, um, it could be a biography. Um, In my case, it's an autobiography. That's kind of my understanding of it. Um, A manifesto, a little bit more complex in that, like the person who's writing it is like establishing some basis for something doesn't necessarily have to be rules but this is like I guess for them like their code of ethics or this is how they're defining some idea like let's say I wrote a manifesto about IDK cheese so this is how cheese is used this is the history of cheese um this is our code of ethics about cheese um like it's defining something in as good details like the author wants to define it and I feel like for I think a, a famous example people might agree with me but it'd be um way way, way back my history teacher would smack me because I can't remember the dates but it's kind of when um uh, Martin Luther um had kind of broken from the church and established like his list of what would become like Protestant rules right so I would consider that like a manifesto um so something along that line like you're doing something um different um and you are very passionate or committed to this idea and then you decide to like kind of define what you mean by this idea or this declaration okay now in this book you get very personal you are really letting us into your life and i know that's hard for a lot of us to do even though we're on twitter we only give people so much you only give people so much you know Tell me about that journey about, you know, just going through, you know, as you as you put, you know, words to paper, what was that like to be like, I am really just revealing myself? What was that like for you going through this process? It was very nerve wracking because I'm just like, I did initially have the thought that a lot of people have when they're writing memoirs and they're like, damn, should I be saying all this? A, but also be thinking about like, what if this person reads this or what if this person reads this? And then I came back and I was like, okay, well, like if they don't like how they were represented, then that's on them because this is what happened. You know, obviously there's some, you know, I did have to kind of like muck some things up because for, for legal reasons, right. You know, gotta, gotta cover your ass. Um, but you know, this is the basis of how this person treated me or what their role was in my life. So if you don't like it, then you got to reconsider what you was doing. And if you're the same person, if you are the same person, then the shoe definitely fits. 
if you're not, then reflect on that period of your life, right? Um, but yeah, the other thing is to um I feel like this is practice for me to get into even deeper work. I feel like you can't master other things in life without self-mastery. Um, I feel like people really try to skip that and and maybe try to go on and do greater things, which I don't think anything's wrong with that. But I feel like, you know, um, that whole thing that people say, like, know thyself. Like, I really think that's super important. And a way to do that is, you know, deep diving into your own life, um, no matter how painful. Right. Because sometimes you doing that um, can close the chapters for you. Mm. Um, I know a lot of um, people like modern day people struggle with the concept of closure. And I always say that it technically isn't a real thing. Um, people going to be tired of me, but that's something that actually I came to figure out from like BoJack Horseman. They were just like, it's not real. Steven Spielberg invented it. I wouldn't give Steven Spielberg that credit, <laughs> but um, they're right about it. It's like, it's very much like a construct. Um, but if it does exist, it's something that you give yourself. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be waiting on anyone to be like, hey, we're closing this chapter. I was like, no, you have to decide um, how that looks like for you, because what closure looks like to you may look different to next person. Um, so while this book was a lot in terms of kind of like digging out some, I'm gonna be honest with y'all, some repressed memories, right? Because sometimes you got to pack it up in the back of your head so you can keep working, at least in the meantime, right? Um, unpacking it definitely helped me learn some new things about myself but also close maybe some old chapters and heal some old wounds. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that I'm glad you said that because I think a lot of times we are so busy trying to move forward without looking back. And I always like to say that um, sometimes forward is the only way back sometimes. But at the yes. same time, we have to be able to be like, it's okay to look back. Yes. Sometimes it's okay to sit in it. Um, if that means if you're gonna if that means that you're gonna be a better person and you can be able to handle things better, sit in it. That's something that my grandma used to just sit in it, <laughs> and you hopefully learn from that. Um, you, as I as, as you said, you have revealed a lot in this book, and you have really shared a lot in this book. When you really get into how you talk about your body and talk about how at times it was a little tricky with clothing and how you felt about looks and hair and so many things that comes with you know people think that when it comes to like being heavy or fat or what have you that's just the only thing there's other things with that well, what was that like as you were talking about unpacking when you were discovering not just you know being uh, a fat black woman in this society but what was the other things as you were unpacking that part what other parts that came came to you that kind of been like, what the fuck? Goodness, what has been going on? If that makes any sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, I think what I set out to do when I wrote this, this book, um, and I make sure to say on the summary too, is that um, a lot of marginalities, marginalization, excuse me, wow, marginalizations um, and oppressions and what have you are just, they're just intertwined. Like the whole thing about intersectionality is real. Um, some a lot of these things don't happen without something else happening. Um, so in my case, 
Um, it was fat phobia, but it was also racism, like you said, colorism. And it was interesting kind of retelling these stories and essentially clocking all the things that were happening, let's say in a certain scene. Let's like, and that's that's what I'll describe. Like a certain scene, I'm with my parents, mm. they're talking, they're not being their best parental selves, obviously, but this is everything that's going on in the scene. So in that corner, you have misogyny, right? In that corner of racism fat phobia in all laced up in the conversation but also something about disability so going back to tell these stories and realizing there was there was so much happening in this one moment that ended up affecting me for years was really interesting um because like I said the overarching thing is fat phobia right but just thinking about racialized fat phobia um because a lot of the issues that um um black women um non-binary black people trans black people have with body positivity right um i've moved on to fat live fat liberation because i feel like that's better and you know black people still run that space so that's where i'm at but if we're dealing with like what was body positivity right um it did not focus on that racial aspect or anything outside of like fat phobia or like the body um and you know that's we're back you know we yeah. got we got to confront that you can't you can't sweep that under the rug because it's not comfortable to you right as a non-black person or a white person um so I really wanted to get that across in the book like yes it's fat phobia but it's so much more going on um and because a lot of you can't even clock the fat phobia first you're missing everything else yeah um so yeah, it was really interesting just going back into my own life and maybe picking up on things now that I hadn't realized then. As we talk about fat phobia, it's not a new thing, but it is a new thing in the sense of people kind of understanding how that's been integrated in so many things that we've grown up with. And there's been a lot of debate about what is considered fat phobia mm. um, from people saying that, you know, you're unhealthy if you're this big, even though you may be more healthier than the person telling you. Uh, how do we, how do we gain a better understanding of how dangerous fat phobia is, and where have we failed as a society to really help people understand that even if they're trying to be helpful, they really be more harmful. Where have we failed in that, and? and, and how do we really get people to understand that fat phobia is a real thing? It's not mm -hmm. the, the woke crowd. Because <laughs> I see that a lot. They'll say, the woke crowd created that. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I'm going to put my mom on blast. She doesn't understand. She's like, why? Why is why is that a thing? You shouldn't want that. You shouldn't want to. Why are we talking about it? How do, we, how do we get over that to explain it, to accept it, to push away from it, if that, if that makes sense? Yeah. So first of all, I'm going to say I don't like why people did woke. It was disgusting. Mm. Like, I'm really mad. I can't even use that word like that no more because it's annoying. Yeah. Um. That said, that's what they do. They twist our words. But we're going to keep moving. We're very <laughs> inventive people. So we will find something else sexy to say in its place. Um. That said, you asked a really important question because, um, A, people are always like hesitant about accepting new new like you said terminology to describe something that's quite complex and i don't know why because all words are made up anyway <laughs> like if you go back and look at shakespeare for example 
hundreds and hundreds of words that popped up because he existed. So English is fake, right? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I don't know why people be so committed to not yeah. listening to new words. Number one, number one, shout out to Sabrina Strings um, and Fear of the Black Body because she really she did not hold back in that book and she talks about how fat phobia is inherently racist like it is taught this is fat phobia this is racism um because she goes on a full like historic like journey voyage teaching us about how like once white people were able to lay eyes on black people. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh shit, we gotta, we gotta make them some rules real quick because we gotta contain these people, right? Uh, we so awesome that they was already trying to make up equations and rules to, <laughs> to be like, we gotta, we gotta IDK, but we gotta contain them. We gotta get all this under control. Um, these people are too free. We gotta figure out what we're doing, right? And that's not to say that we lived in utopias then, right? Mm-hmm. But like. Like the trappings of capitalism and Christianity, like that—that that wasn't something that a lot of us, you know, um, had been introduced to prior to that. So we meet, and you know, Europeans at that time noticed that you know we're f- more fully figured. Um, we do things differently. We have different relationships with food and etc. So they kind of try to use that to again racialize us. Um, and then it became this issue where even intellectuals, um, during the heights of things like let's say enlightenment, right? Even intellectuals decided to be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna mark a difference. So when you start looking at a lot of their art that work at that time, then even within the work, those plays, those the the literature, everything, you start seeing distinction distinctions between thinness and fatness being made, and you start noticing that. Then this is now awarded qualities like, you know, intelligence, um, um, piousness. You know, we're talking about Christianity piety, right? Um, starts getting assigned these qualities. And then these thinness, right, that's already been assigned these good qualities, then start being associated with Europeans or white people, you know. Um, and then, you know, fatness gets tied to us, right, because of our bodies, you know, more fully figure, right? Um, and then with fatness, they start associating it with, you know, lack of intelligence, anti-intellectualism. Like they start tying everything negative, anything you can think of, especially like, let's say when we think of like the seven deadly sins, gluttony, like they start looking at fat or fully figured people as gluttonous. Um, so all of those things then just get slapped on us. Um, so when we talk about fat phobia, even in 2022, that's what I always tell people. I was like, it's not just that. I was like, it's racist. Like they are, this is this is how we got here. Racism. This is how we got racism, white supremacy. I was like, if you think about it, even with um present day, like if you see a fat, like non-black person, fat, um, white person, right? The way that they're treated, if you watch it, is very interesting. Because it's about two seconds from them being racialized by their own people. But yeah. because they're not black or, you know, at least non-black, they stop short of that. But like if you if you look at how they talk about them, even let's revisit the whole thing about butts. Like butts weren't a thing for white people until like 
late 90s, early 2000s. We're basically going into 2000s before people were like, oh, my God, I do want a big butt. But, like, for a while, that was very scandalous and salacious for them. Butts were for Black people or whoever else. They were not for white people. Like, they wanted something flat, something petite. They love that word, right? Um, But, no, even things like butts racialized um so whenever i talk about fat phobia with people today in 2022 i always leave with that i was like hey so where do you think it came from and obviously they don't know because like you mentioned they're divorced from the history and then i start telling them about the history and they're like oh my god that's fucked up like yeah like this thing precedes a lot of us so you have to think about it like that right and even petite as you talk about even that has some intimate you know not, not intimate, but uh, that's not even the word. The, has some ties to it that is kind of sometimes racialized, sexualized. Um, I hear men say that a lot. I want somebody petite. And I was like, what does that mean? And it sometimes means somebody smaller. Somebody, you know, someone that it's like they're shrunk smaller than me. Um, and you hear that, especially when it comes to like Asian women. They will talk about that or pinpoint those pieces. Mm-hmm. Really fascinating. I had to confront someone. I was like, every time you say that and you show me the woman you were liking, that it just scratches me the wrong way. Yeah, it's, it doesn't feel kosher. You're like, mm, let's unpack that. Let's unpack yeah. that. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean to say stuff like that? But no, I like that you talk about how it is racialized and how, yeah, until <laughs> until baby got back, come out, comes out. All of a sudden, everybody wants a butt. Everybody wants to look into it. Um, but also, I love that part about how we have awarded people who are tall, thin. They get all these accolades all of a sudden, things they haven't even earned. And we fall into it a lot. You know, yeah, we, we do. We fall into it. Um, and we award them, too, until we have to hit, like, you know what? They're tall. They got a beard. They're white. Let me just say that to myself. Yeah. And that's, real, and that's where the realism kind of jumps in there. Um, now you, it was something that you said that I really had to think about in the book. You talked about the whole cosmic, the whole cosmic feeling of, you know, when it comes to your body, um, the punishment, cosmic punishment. Hmm. What do you mean by that? And can, can you walk us through when you talk about your body at one point that was, you felt like that was a punishment? Yeah. Um, so the beginning of my life is very rough as people are going to read, you know, I'm not going to spoil it. It was very rough. It's like a whole saga is given like almost Tyler Perry drama. Like that's how much it was. It was giving a lot. Um, So thinking about the origins of my birth and then kind of like the body that I was existing in at the time, it did feel very much like a punishment. Cause I was like, not only is this stuff happening, but like the body that I'm navigating with um, comes with limitations, right? Now, I did not place these limitations on myself, right? I was born into them, um, both, you know, and then had to deal with them within the context of my family, but also greater society. So like, you know, I get to a point where like, you know, I'm existing in this body and let's say I experienced my first crush, right? And then my first crush, even though we have the same nose, same skin color, everything, then decides to be like very colorist towards me, right? So now I'm just like, well, damn, am I not existing correctly? Or am I like just in the wrong me suit? So that's kind of how I was thinking about it growing up because it wasn't like enough for me to kind of be like fine for my life back at at home. But I was also doing that in greater society and I like didn't understand it because it felt so 
childish to me, like, cause you are treating, mistreating me, right? Based on one, two, three, but I'm like, it's very arbitrary. Like you don't have really a logical reason to be this way. So you're kind of making stuff up because this, all of this is technically made up social constructs, et cetera. Like, but because of how they've been baked into our society, um, that is the issue of trying to like uproot that shit. Um, but that's kind of how I felt like our, I wasn't born into great circumstances, but it was made worse quotations, right. Um, by like my body. So that's kind of like the mindset I had for a while. Um, and then obviously as the years went by and I was trying to like do something with my life, um, I had to really get myself out of that mindset. But it was tough. It was tough because a lot of it was um, like battered into me by my upbringing. Um, and when that happens, you have to do so much more work. And I understand why people avoid it because it's very painful. And you know these this this is is the fundamentals again. This these were the first people you were ever introduced to in existence. Like before you go outside into the world and start, we start talking about manners and ethics and whatever. Like these are the people. So if they fumble you as a child, you gonna have a rough time for a little bit until you put two and two together that they they weren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so that's kind of what I meant by that. Like I wasn't given the tools and then what I did have didn't prepare me for like what like the reactions that my body quotations would get so wow goodness and it, it, when I saw that and read that and thought about it especially for a lot of us who did grow up you know strange you know you know chubby fat and you grew up in a society where you're already looked at so many ways for you even looked at as a person. Yep. That is a lot. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't think that we, especially as black queer people think about a lot of that, how much is that trigger? I think we kind of focus a lot on the racism parts, but we, I don't think we get into that whole part about that. And I'm glad your book really breaks down how that is, how that was significant for you, and how that may be significant for others. And kind of going along with that, we're seeing a lot of that come up um, with Lizzo and how Lizzo is treated, how people cannot, which it, it's, it's really sad to me that we cannot, uh, people will not allow her to celebrate herself. It's almost like she's doing a crime that she's mm -hmm. So how has Lizzo been, um, how have you viewed Lizzo? How have you kind of seen Lizzo as maybe you know, that person that may be kind of shining more of that light since she's more in the public eye so much. How do you feel about Lizzo really kind of bringing these issues to light these days? Um, I love the fuck out of her. Anyone who knows me will know that, like, I am one of her number one fans, mm -hmm. even if I'm not as active on it as I would like to be because I got my own stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm always, like, a step behind her. Like, good, keep going, girl. Like, I love it. Um... And the reason I really do fuck with her is that um, people don't... So fat phobia and fat politics itself is very intricate, right? But people also don't understand how the treatment varies based on, like, the size... I know it sounds weird, but, like, the size of fat and also the shape. So even with fat phobia, sometimes 
fat people can get away with it if they're shaped a certain way. So I'm talking like hourglass mm -hmm. or even like pear. So if, even if I'm fat, if I got like a big, like a fat ass and some nice hips maybe, and maybe my waist comes in a little bit, I can get away with it. Yeah. Then people start being like, okay, you're not fat, you're thick. Even though it's this thick is still yeah. thick is still fat. You know, people try to separate <laughs> thick from fatness, but we still fat. Like I'm thick, I am thick. But you know, people have tried to kind of move it more to like a more desirable category for them in their heads, right? So now when people say thick, they're looking for that like acceptable fat. Like they're looking for the cinched waist and the big hips and maybe like big titties, right? Um, I want to say Lizzo talked about this, but I'm not 100% sure. So I'm not gonna put words in her mouth. But I will say um, for her, she is more apple shaped. So she, you know, she's she's big and she got the she has the big belly and not necessarily the, like the the huge titty. Like she is apple shaped. So that belly, especially, I don't know what like I don't know what it does to people, but it it just strong reactions, um, because it's a very vi like visible type of fat that can't be easily stuffed in your jeans or under your shirt or whatever. So it's a very it's very visible type of fat. Um, and it takes a very, I hate to say this because I hate when people use confidence and self-assuredness when it comes to like fat people. I think it's very, um, demeaning. I think it, it babies us, you know, um, but you know, like you do have to be a certain type of fat person, just kind of be like, fuck it. Like, here's my belly. What you going to do? You're going to fight me? No, you're not. Um, so that's kind of her attitude. Um, and I really do support her because like her fashion is very, in your face it is not designed to tuck any of her fat away and that's what really offends people like i remember that so-called racy outfit that she wore to the nba um then that, that nba game i don't remember who it was with i don't know who played but i know she was at an nba game and they're just like oh my gosh she's showing her ass and there are children around and da 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 da, -da. and i'm like i've seen some of the shit that you heifers wear yeah, I be seeing your ass crack and your titties against my will, right? And yeah. you tell me, like, because I saw what she wore, and it's still like it was racy quotations, but it was like still like mostly covered. So like, then my question was, you why y'all looking so hard? Because mm -hmm. you feel it. Either you into it or like you mad that you might be into it. So again, that's still on you. But um. The thing about Lizzo is that she, um, at least outwardly, right? I don't know her personal life. I don't know her thoughts or whatever, but outwardly shows no shame about being fat. Um, Even when you listen to her cracking jokes or whatever, there's nothing self-deprecating in there. Um, A lot of people are used to us as fat people being very self-deprecating and trying to shrink ourselves in some ways, whether it's physically or with our own words. And she does not do that. She be feeling herself. She be talking her shit. She do not care who is around, who is speaking to her. Um, she don't care. Um, and you know, people really want us as fat people to be ashamed of ourselves and how we look and how the fact that we allow ourselves to look this way. And she's not about that. And I love that. Um, and that's why she's going to continue to succeed because she knows who she is. She knows what she's here to accomplish. And a lot of people can't say that. Um, and because she's fat and doing it, 
people feel an extra certain way. Yeah. Like, I feel like people will still, because of who, like, because of that, she has a very big, she's a big woman and with a big personality. I love that about her, right? So I feel like even if she was thin, there will still be some comments because, like I said, big personality. But her being fat and still having that big personality and not caring who it necessarily offends or the feathers that it ruffles, people are extra mad. Um, People really want fatness to be associated with shame. So when you as a fat person, and especially a black fat person, right, when you reject that shame, you are taking the teeth out of fat phobia. And people, they don't like that. They just don't. Just like when black people, when we do our, when we talk our shit despite racism Mm -hmm. and respectability politics, they don't like it. Because you're saying you have put this construct in front of me to hold me back. And this is me kicking that shit in his teeth. Like, I do not care. Like, you trying to hold me is not going to work. And even if it's working, it's only going to work for a little while. So I'm going to find my way either through or around it. Um, so that's that's the thing. Because of the way Lizzo carries herself as a fat person, um, people get upset because they can't easily box her in with, like, typical fat phobic logic. Yeah, and it's as I was saying, you know, it's it's sad because it's like, why can't you? It's like I when I when I read people and what they say, especially, oh my god, that guy. I'm not. I don't want to say his name. That comedian that was like trying to come for Lizzo, and I'm like, sir, have you looked at yourself? This is a person who likes themselves, who wants to share themselves, who is having a great time. You either can just shut up or just, you know, and let them have a good time. It, it is really disheartening that a lot of people will not allow um, people to feel, and, it's, and I'll be honest, it's hard for me to say fat people, and that's something that I have to learn to let go because I have, you know, fat people are telling me, no, you can say it. It is fine to say it. But that's something that I'm learning to be honest to say, even for myself, I'm still trying to learn these things. Um, and I feel like in your book, that has been kind of helpful for what I've been able to get into about saying it and accepting it and not looking at it as a, as a bad thing. I think what people, that's just the thing that we're going to have to get over and that's going to be tough. But I like that your book is really going to help people just get in it, dissect it, understand it, confront themselves and confront others. Did you feel like your book when you when you were getting into the middle of it, the thick of it, what was the moment that made you go like, "Oh my God, I'm this is really going to do something here"? What was was that a moment somewhere in, in there where you were feeling like this is going to probably do something, or maybe even though you might like maybe for not for everybody in the world, but it's going to probably do something for that one or two or whatever. What was that moment where it just kind of hit you like this can really do something? Um, I feel like the basically the 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 three chapters. I want to say it's four, five, six. I might be off because I I switched the order at one point because I was like trying to tell it in order, like um chronologically. Then I thought about them like okay, so I feel like this chunk can be chronological, but this chunk over here we're gonna have to like shuffle it around based on like theme and motif, right? So you know I'm trying to do a little like thematic thing like I'm trying to channel my inner Beyonce and be like how I do this <laughs> so um so I, I think it was four or five and six so basically in those chapters we talk about the church 
we talk about queerness and then we talk about fat phobia and we kind of mix that together so basically when i got to the church chapter and i got to talking about um specifically bisexuality mm. um and like the the obstacle that was the church when trying to figure that out for myself um i started writing that and then i got into like purity culture and the demon like the demon the vilification, I'll say that, about like sex um, and what that does to you as a person. Because, um, you know, like I don't want to erase my asexuals because like, you know, you know, they be doing their own thing, too. They don't necessarily be focusing on that. But because sex is part of the human experience. Right. When you cut off that avenue in terms of somebody getting to know themselves, whether they decide that sex is not for them or it is like you cut you're cutting off a very important part of human development and it really sets you back when that is just not something that you were allowed to explore so when i was talking about that and then talking about purity culture um and like how just heteronormative it is and the whole thing behind also compulsory like heteronormativity I was like, I'm getting into some shit. Like, it's not just like, like, and it's not just fat phobia here. Like, we really getting into like, like religion and like how it's weaponized against queerness, but also blackness, but also again the human experience, right? Like, trying to inject shame into everything. And I was just like, okay, so it was not off or not. Like, am I still traumatized a little bit? But, like, helping people kind of put words on what happened to them in that holy quotation space, um, I feel like is going to do um, people a lot of good. Because, you know, recently there have been more conversations, especially if we're looking at um, very late Black millennials and early um, Gen Z, about that move away from the church um, and how like the ripple effect you know because on one hand people being like it's affected our music which i agree it has but also thinking about kind of the consciousness that a lot of us have been able to access because we're not in that limited space anymore and also thinking about for the people who have chosen to remain right thinking about what exactly has to change about this institution before people return if they want to um so yeah when i got to that i was just like yeah this is gonna be you know it, it was gonna rob some people wrong way but i'm like you need to hear this about yourself and how y'all conduct yourself in this space because yeah. because it, it's not of god it is not anything associated with love it is very much something else um and i wanted people who had survived that to kind of see that hey you were not alone in this. Um, I might have been over here. You might have been over there. But, like, you were not alone in this very, like, this pressure cooker of an environment. So, yeah. That's kind of the moment I was like, oh, yeah. This is not just me talking about myself. This is also, like, an experience mm -hmm. um, that must be, like, um, parsed for everybody. Yeah. And I, I believe that because what you did you shine a light on a lot of things a lot of us have been through, especially some of us who grew up in the South. Um, you and I, I, I think you grew up around the Southern areas. I grew up yes. in the Southern area. Nick grew up in the Southern area. 
uh, it's that type of stuff is real. And people don't understand if you didn't grow up down in that place, especially in a black, small town-ish ass place where church was everything you lived and breathed from going to Sunday school, Wednesday school, everything, even Halloween was, you know, taken over by church at times. Like it, it was, it, if you don't understand that struggle, that is a thing. And that is some serious ass change. They're already wrapped around you when you try to unlock them. That's tough. And I, and I, and what I like about what you wrote about is yes, because I think what happens with religion is it fucks us up. Yes. We don't even sometimes see ourselves desirable. We, feel that we're too dirty to do the things that we want to do. Mm -hmm. I always say people, I would say to people, once you break away from that, get out there and figure out who you are sexually. That's very important. Yes. If you don't, it just leads into some ugly places. (laughs) So always that's when you break free and understand yourself that way, that is a great experience. But I also want to hit on something that you talked about. You've said this before about now, as a fat black person becoming sexual, it's almost as if we're not allowed to be that. And somebody that you said that that yes, black fat people are fucking. Yep, we be fucking. We be. Yes, we be fucking. Yes, and they are, and they're getting it. Um, I think I was watching Real Sex once, and it was showing a a, a black fat woman just being very sexual, talking about. It. And I was, I remember just feeling so much love for her I actually teared up because I love seeing her own her body wear that corset have her little you know whip and stuff in her hand and just talk about it with such joy and I think that people don't understand that why do you think people don't think that 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 people are fucking why they don't think that we're having a great time (laughs) why do you think that's a thing I mean, you know, again, that shame component, right, which is strengthened by religion, right? They just think that, okay, well, because, you know, sex is supposed to be this shameful thing, you definitely couldn't be having it, right? And if you're a fat person, right, that's like shame times two, so you definitely couldn't be having it. Um, But I also think it's like most things in this world, um, a lot of projection. Um, I feel like a lot of people, especially, you know, I didn't get into it as much in this book, but a lot of former fats you know, um, people who were like, they dropped the weight, but they didn't drop the hate, right? They dropped the weight, but they didn't drop the hate, right? Um, they also feel a way that I could remain fat and still want to fuck, you know, and still be fucking. Um, so, uh, yeah, a lot of people project that hate that they have for their own bodies onto us. So they're thinking we also feel as terrible about ourselves and couldn't ever honestly engage in a really fun sexual act and that's just not how that is um it might be how that is for them but not necessarily for us um because something I learned from you know like my early sexual experiences is that um sex is supposed to be fun it is supposed to be fun whatever that fun looks like obviously is going to vary based on the people involved and their tastes and you know what what they like and you know the and then there are also no no things like you know the like hey we're not doing this um but it's supposed to be fun and because of things like you know religion or even fat phobia that fun is kind of sucked out of it and then you get you start hearing that heteronormative shit where it's like oh sex is just for baby making and i'm like i 
I don't hear that. But um, it just everything in that realm is about shame. And because some people are shamed that they want to do it or they're shamed about how they do it, they really do want to like transfer that shame to fat people. So they have something else to kind of attack us with. But that's not that's not us. Because once again, like I said, sex is part of the human experience. Fat people are people we human. So once again, we're going to be fucking. And that's just it. <laughs> if you don't like it, that's fine. Because you don't got to fuck me. You don't. Now, if you want to, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fuck you because you clearly don't like me. And that's weird. But again, you know, it is something we do as part of that human experience, you know fat people we gonna do it because that like i said very important component about learning about yourself it just is yeah yeah that is true and i love that you really you know talk about um sexuality but even not just in your book but overall you talk about how that's important that people know that people are fucking um and that's very that's something that, I, that should be on a t-shirt personally. <laughs> Fat people be fucking, yeah, we do. We do. They, and they be shocked. Right with that and be like. Yeah. Every single time they are so shocked. Like what? Y'all be doing what? We be fucking. <laughs> so in your book, I feel like everybody asked this question, but what was one of the favorite chapter or a couple of chapters that you really love about, that love, mm-hmm. you love putting together in this book? Mm-hmm. What, what was that one or two or three chapters that you felt like I love these pieces these are mm-hmm. love them too much um definitely like I said that block that goes in you know religion and sexuality etc um the other thing I loved was um when we get into later in the book not gonna get too many details but I was talking about kind of like um for me the politics of dating um like a parent and also dating someone who's light skinned, because you know people who know me know that like I be going in about colors <laughs> and things like of that nature. So they're gonna read this book and be like, "Girl, so you was dating who a light bright what?" Um, and you know, I I had to really break that down in the chapter. Like, like, hey, these are these are the politics that fat people deal with in relationships, but also when you know you are dark skinned, or maybe you're someone who doesn't have their own children right um whether you don't want any period or whether that's something that's a little bit further off for you so kind of thinking about um having those variables present while i was also navigating my sexuality so kind of thinking about that like it was kind of like a minefield if i'm being honest um and if the other person wasn't someone i had trusted i would not have that's not a journey I would have embarked on with them. So I feel like those are my favorite chapters because I, I think that relationship stretches about two or three. Um, So yeah, I really like those chapters. And I was laughing because I was talking to one of my friends, um, Root Astrology, shout out to her. Um, We were talking and then she had read like my earlier drafts and she was just like, they really going to eat this section up. And I was like, girl, bye. And she's like, no, because she's like, it is sexy, right? Quotations. But she's like, it's very, it's very thoughtful. Like you're talking about sex in a way that is like thought provoking. Um, and yeah, some you can have you you obviously can have sex that don't d- doesn't get into all that. Like you don't have to be having like this great enlightening thought every time you have sex but um 
just thinking about like sometimes sometimes thinking about why you do the things that you do or how you do them is really important so she was like me reading about your experience is very thought-provoking like hey like when i am you know having sex like what is the what is the like what is inspiring me to do that or get into that am i really enjoying it like things of that nature so i really do enjoy those chapters because i really do ask myself in those chapters like tough questions about um what i've been taught about sex including like the bad things i've been taught Mm -hmm. um and then what i have learned um and also what i want to learn about it so i think those would be my favorite chapters because i kind of i really got to like not only talk my shit but also think about some shit that like um helped me to enjoy the experience more no i'm glad you did that because i don't think we do that enough i don't think talk about like why am i you know why am i taking off clothes why am i calling your ass up you know to, to do it right yeah <laughs> why why is it you why is it no why am i doing this and i think that we need to do that i i i, I think that's a very those are very important questions to ask because so i think once we do that we may find ourselves like you know what maybe i'm just bored yeah you know which is valid even yeah. if it might be a little toxic <laughs> but it's like it's like valid you know yeah lonely bored or you really want that person. But I think that sometimes that having an understanding of why, it's okay to ask all those questions because it, it makes the experience a lot better if you're feeling it with that person versus, versus just trying to get off. Because sometimes you're just like, I got off, you can go. Yeah. But I think it's good to have those conversations. So inner conversations with yourself about that experience. Um, and I'm looking forward to getting a little bit more into what how you put that out there. Because I, I believe... Um, you know, I believe your friend that however you were explaining is probably something that we all need to think about when it comes to us. Oh, this book. Wow. I, I really can't wait to get into it more. Um, because I felt like I wasn't doing it justice trying to get, you know, some pieces for our conversation today. But it just feels so it's almost it's very real. And I and I want you to know that from what I'm getting from it, it's very real and very honest. And I'm very thankful that you put yourself out there for us because you didn't have to do that. You really didn't have to do that. And I know that, you know, you are a private person. And so for you to share that, I thank you very much because I think that it's really going to be very helpful for people. What do you hope your book does for people when they pick it up and they see it? Like, there it is out there Mm -hmm. in March. What do you hope they get from this book when they pick it up and read it? Um, I want people to read the book, especially fat people, especially fat black people, mm-hmm. and learn something about themselves, but also learn that the ways in which they've been treated, even if it's something they didn't catch, because sometimes that happens, like you are mistreated in the moment and you don't even know it because you don't, again, you don't have the language for it, right? So I want them to know that um, if they haven't been treated fairly or they've been mistreated even by people they actually care about, um, that that is not okay, A, um, and that there is a way to, A, forgive yourself for that because sometimes people are like, oh, wow, I didn't catch that. I suck, right? It don't have to be all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so giving them room to like realize, have that realization, um, sit in that discomfort like you mentioned, 
Um, but also learn from that and be like, hey, now moving forward, these are the things one, two, three, four that I will not tolerate as a fat black person. Um, and here's why. Here's what I learned. So I, I basically I wanted to write it for, you know, especially that fat black person who just had unfortunately accepted that lot in life like hey this is just how I'm going to be treated and then tell them that actually no you don't have to tolerate this and here's why and here's my experience so that's what I really wanted to do um because I think language is so important um you know I'm a Chicago grad um but my major was you know in English and creative writing which you know I really pissed off my Nigerian parents they're like what you finna do with that and I'm like something you know something but um like i mentioned the book scott c's um comedian he cracked me up because he's like you know yeah i doubled down on being unemployed and i was right there with him i was like i'm gonna study this and i don't care um but because i study english i'm very passionate about this bastard of a language <laughs> so so i i just know that language is really important and when you're able to name things you can change things mm -hmm. so when you know our older black elders are like you know um speak the truth shame the devil that's how i think about like words and vocabulary and terminology mm -hmm. so i also want to give people the words to describe what is going on so that if they don't like what's going on they can do something about it so that's really what i hope that people take away oh man i love the fact that you kind of brought in your education to that piece um and why you want to help people understand how to have the words to say what they need to say. Because I don't think a lot of us, especially as Black people, we, it's hard for us to sometimes find the words um, to kind of express ourselves and to really get it out there. And I think this book is really going to do that. I think, I'll, you know, I'll think this book, I think this book is going to save lives. I really do. Because I think that, um, and seeing other books that are coming out that's talking about being Black and fat and either being queer or being a film or, or all the you know, everything else with that, I think these are the type of stories and things we need to hear. But I really appreciate you. I believe I've been the forefront of these conversations from, from Twitter days. Back, you were doing threads before threads was a thing. Yeah. So you were talking about this type of stuff then, and I think that you really have done a great service in bringing this to light. But doing it in a way that is not kind of like too rough, to where people like turn off is more like what else can we how you know what else can we learn from this how can we decipher this and using you as a source i think that's been really great so oh my god um everybody this book um uh, fat off fat odd a big bitch manifesto will be out in march mm -hmm. um and you can pre-order it we will have that um we'll we'll tweet that out there that you can pre-order this book um, I hope you're doing book tours. I hope that you're going to be out there. I, I will. We are actually trying to figure out some locations now because, you know, you know, me, my publisher, Feminist Press, shout out to them. Um, we still taking COVID very seriously. <laughs> I know some people aren't, but we are. Yeah. So we're like, okay, so how do we do this and also respect the people that be coming to these events? Because mm. we also care about them too. Yeah. I don't want you catching COVID because you came out to see me <laughs> like, no. Um, cause no, it's terrible, terrible disease. Um, so I've been thinking about like locations I want to go to. So obviously you got the obvious like LA, New York, can't really avoid that. But like, I want to go to some places in the South too. Like we get ignored so often. 
the South and the Midwest. And I'm like, I'm definitely headed back to my home, Chicago. I know I was born in Tennessee. I, I do miss Tennessee, but Chicago's really where I found myself. So I'll be up there at one point. Um, I'm trying to be like in North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, how do you can maybe Atlanta? Like I really do want to um see people in the South because like you mentioned, that church church culture is very, very big there. So I definitely want to have you know, conversations with, you know, Black Southern folk, particularly like Deep South, but also like Appalachian South, because we also get that gap of Southern Blacks too, we get yeah. ignored. Because yeah. um, it's, you know, stretching into the Midwest, you know, what people call flyover country, which I find very offensive, but it's another conversation. Um, But yeah, I definitely am going to be touring. We're just trying to get the locations together now um, in a way that's going to be, again, cohesive, but also, like I said, safe for people who will be coming to talk about the book with me. Oh, wow. So, y'all, y'all got to get this book. You got to check it out. Um, like I said, pre-order it. It's already, you know, it's you, the cover's already out there. You can't miss it. I love the cover. Um, so, get, so tell us where we can find you. Oh, I know you haven't really been on Twitter as much, um, but when you are, it's a treat. But let everybody know where we can find you. Thank you so much. So um, on Twitter, I am at I write all day underscore. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm at Clarkisha Kent. Um, I also have my own website, uh, ClarkishaKent.com that kind of centralizes everything, um, especially if you're like new to my work and you want to find out more. Um, so you can go there learn all sorts of things, um, download the Kent test, kind of look at articles I've written in the past, um, keep up with my current projects. Um, so those will be the top three. I kind of have other profiles scattered here and there, um, but I don't think they're as relevant now. But those will be like my like big three. Yes, and I'm looking forward for this western because I know you've been talking about it, uh, and I still want to see you in the comic book world. So uh, hopefully you might do something with that. Um, but yes, I'm looking forward to this book, the western, and all other things you do. So thank you so much for joining us today, Katisha, and it's just been really good to have this conversation and really good to see you so same, same. Uh, yes. thank you for having me thank you and everybody um again as i said before check out this book coming out you'll be a fool if you don't